Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day with amazing selection reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need, visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Happy Tape Tuesday. I am Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. I'm also the founder of WholeOnSports.com. You can find all of my written work. But like I said, it's Tape Tuesday. We're going to start off with a bit of Twitter Tuesday that I wasn't totally planning, but, you know, it just engagement came in this morning. So that, that's what we're rolling with. Uh, so we got some Twitter Tuesday I wanted to talk about before getting into the tape, brown, tape breakdown for the final two segments. Um, again, I'm starting it off this way so that people that just listen and don't watch kind of don't get excluded from anything. Um, that's where I'm at with it. We'll break down four plays like always. And I'm trying to be more descriptive when breaking down the plays. Let me know if I'm not descriptive enough. So then I can kind of help you guys out a little bit. Uh, before we get started, just a quick reminder to follow Locked On Gators wherever you listen to podcasts that you never miss an episode. Please do subscribe to Locked On Gators on YouTube. Uh, check my pinned tweet. Let Locked On know why. Florida has the best fan base because I like to talk that talk to all the other hosts. I'm still gonna, but like it would help if we won this too, so that I can continue to talk that talk. Uh, also, thank you for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. Greatly appreciate that from you. And now we're gonna get into Twitter Tuesday. First off is from Josh Gardner, Chef Gardner one on Twitter, uh, asking about Emory Jones's throwing motion. Why it's why it's a little wonky if that's uh, if that's overconfidence in his arm, whether it's just or mechanics, whatever it may be. Um, they're, they're definitely, um, how do I, they're definitely a little funky, his throwing motion. Uh, I know that he works with quarterback coach slash guru Quincy Avery, who, if you don't follow on Twitter, is a very good follow. Uh, breaks down a lot of things. He's funny clapbacks. Um, but I'm a big supporter of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I don't, I, I feel like that's where we're at with Emory Jones. Uh, I'm, I'm not concerned with his arm uh, motion necessarily. His, his footwork's, way more concerning to me than uh, than his throwing motion itself, just because he throws a lot off the back foot or without his feet totally set. And it's like, eh, I'm not a, not a huge fan of that because uh, that, that's where we get dangerous throws um, and dangerously inaccurate throws. But, uh, you know, his, his throwing motion is, it's, it's a little wonky, but it's not, it's not bad necessarily. Uh, it's not a very long windy motion. Like we saw with Tebow, who did like a full rotation with his arm and he did it. And we've seen, Quarterbacks with weird throwing motions succeed. Namely, Philip Rivers is like the guy when you think of a quarterback with a weird throwing motion that succeeds because he kind of shot puts the thing. Um, no, different things work for different people. As they say, uh, different strokes, different folks, you know? So Emery throws it weird. I don't care as long as it works and as long as it's not hurting us. Like some people, I've tried to jokingly like mimic Philip Rivers throwing motion before. And I mean, Personally, I feel like I get a little more velocity and better spiral on the ball when I do it. Less accurate because, of course, that's not how I usually throw. But, I mean, it works for different people. So, I am not. I don't care too much about how weird it looks. As long as it's not killing us, I, I genuinely don't care. Like, if it works, it works. I'm very much like, if, again, I am very much, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. I'm not the type to kill people for being a little too slow, having a little poor mechanics, if it works. So, I'm not... Yeah, I'm not going to kill someone for that. Uh, I posted Emery's numbers versus pressure, and it led to me getting roped into a conversation about uh, Dan Mullen scripting everything for Emery and not create and Emery not creating plays himself. Um, 
that that's false, obviously. Um, so Tennessee blitz on 41.2% of all dropbacks and on those dropbacks, uh, Emory Jones went nine for 12 with a hundred yards and a touchdown and an average depth of target about 10 yards, which is surprisingly enough, uh, a farther average depth of target than when he's not being blitzed. Uh, so this is Emory's creating plays. He's, he's extending plays and he's handling the blitz perfectly fine, which is like, that's, that's not something that's drawn up because we knew Tennessee would be very aggressive. They were very aggressive defense to begin with, but that's something where we totally, or we, we didn't totally expect these blitzes every time they came. Emory made plays. He made calls at the line. We could see him making adjustments. So Emory's not just getting these play calls and running them like an AI. And it's just like, well, like it's, it's not like when I, when I show plays on the screen and we know what's happening, we know what's going where, like this is Emory's coming in, checking and changing the plays. So, I mean, he's making these plays. I would say that I would like for him to keep his eyes downfield a little bit more just because he tends like when he rolls out and he starts running, you can or not rolls out because when he rolls out, whatever. But when he's extending plays and scrambling, you can tell he's looking to run. He's not necessarily looking to throw the ball deep downfield, which is something that we would like to see him do more. I know this is stupid to compare it to a Hall of Famer, but like a guy like Drew Brees, who wasn't super mobile, but when he would get out and he would scramble, you could see he was always looking downfield. And that was something that he's probably the best at all time at. Um, and so I'd like to see Emery not obviously replicate Drew Brees, but kind of try to emulate that of looking downfield, especially with a just massive arm and the ability to run defenses are going to creep in and you, you're, you're going to have plays over the top where you can hit them. Uh, the next thing was Kyle Pitts bust talk. Uh, Kyle Pitts, of course, number four overall pick of the draft, former Gator tight end, now then a Falcon, um, 15 targets, 11 catches, 139 yards, I think it is, if I'm not mistaken, uh, through three games of his pro career, no touchdowns. Um, yeah, uh, I've seen people call him a bust when I posted his numbers. Uh, I, I, I don't know how to put this, but uh, and I know I know that there are Bucks fans listening, and you're probably like, oh, thank thank goodness that the Falcons didn't get a great value there. But um, you're a dummy if you're calling someone a bust three games into their pro career at a position that historically doesn't contribute in their first year. And it's also like the Falcons offense is struggling in general to just find their identity with such a poor O-line, only one good wide receiver, one serviceable one in Russell Gage, three tight ends that they try to get on the field in Kyle Pitts, Hayden Hurst, and uh, and Lee Smith, who's basically an O-line at this point. And for some reason, Felipe Franks played tight end a little bit yesterday. So they have no idea what they're doing offensively. And Kyle Pitts is being, I, I've seen people say he's overrated. He's underutilized at this point. This is an offense that they're not ready to play games. And I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because they sat most of their starters most of the preseason. Um, but yeah, we're at the point where the Falcons are struggling in general. It's not just Kyle Pitts not working. It's not that they should have taken a QB. It's not they should have taken an O-line. Their team is just bad right now. And they're trying to find their identity. And Arthur Smith is struggling early on. All right, college football fanatics, have you heard about Prize Picks? If not, you need to listen to the show more. I promise you won't regret it. Prize Picks is a daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know you will too. Prize Picks offers every sport you can think of NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. Prize Picks offers more college football props than anyone in the world. And I know I love prop bets. So that like that's important to me. Uh, it's hard to find college football props anywhere to begin with, but 
Price Picks has Power Five stars, mid-major. I don't want to say nobodies, but mid-major non-household names, and that's specifically important to me. Toledo helmet right behind me. Toledo tattoo on the arm. You know how it is. Uh, Price Picks allows mixed sport entries, which you can't get in a lot of other places, but. You could take the over on LeBron three-pointers, which you should never do, combined with the under on Mahomes turnovers, which you might do now. I don't even know what he's doing. In the same entry, don't hesitate. Check out prizepix.com or go to your app store and download the app today. Prizepix is daily fantasy made easy. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I, I have a car now, and sometimes things happen. Um, I'm very bad at fixing cars. I've discussed this multiple times. I've likened it to, to the John Mulaney joke about the Cosby show and fixing a car. And yeah, I, I suck when working with cars. My family does work with cars. They've tried to get me to work on my own car and their cars. I, I, I'm just bad at it. And I, I genuinely don't care to get better. But when they tell me what to get, I know where I can get it. And that's rockauto.com because even I can navigate the site when I don't know what a spark plug is. I don't know what any of this stuff, I don't know what belts they're talking about, but even I can navigate rockauto.com and thank God for that. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Fox? So they know exactly who sent you. All right, you know how we do it here. Now it's tape Tuesday, as always. Two plays per segment. The first play on the docket, uh, you can see the play art here. It's a little funky here. Um, we've got two receivers on the left, tight end on the left, running back on the left, one receiver on the right. If you can see, I've added numbers into it now, so that's fun. Now now we can look at numbers and see who we have instead of me just trying to explain it. Uh, but it's the Gators' double pass touchdown. That's the first player breaking down. Three, I believe three of the plays – from the, today's Tape Tuesday are all in the third quarter. It was a fun third quarter. Uh, you can see the play. I'm going to play the play art while I'm still talking about it. But you can see Trent Whitmore goes in motion. Then they snap the ball. Emery takes one or two steps, throws the ball backwards to Trent Whitmore, and he finds Kimori Gamble in the end zone. Um, I, uh, and, of course, Emery runs a play fake with Malik Davis here. Um, here's the thing. I'm looking at this defense, and I see where they all go. And I'm looking at this, and I think this is either cover one or cover three. And I know I say that a lot, and I'm sorry. But the deep safety over the middle of the field is what tells me that it's cover one or cover three. Uh, I'm also trying to figure out, based on the linebackers and the corners, what's going on. But linebackers both freeze on the play fake. Corners all freeze on the backwards pass. So I have no idea what the Tennessee Vols are trying to do here. I'm going to play it again. I'm just going to keep playing it while I'm having this conversation with myself. Uh, but Kimori Gamble wide open, and Trent Whitmore throws actually a, a very good ball here with the whole Volunteers defense late to react to everything. They froze completely once Trent Whitmore caught this ball. I don't know what they were hoping to do if they were like because if they bit on the play, then they'd be running in trying to make a stop, right? Like they'd be trying to tackle him. Uh, if they didn't bite on the play, they'd be trying to cover someone somewhere. Justin Shorter is clearly blocking the whole way here. He's the receiver with Trent Whitmore on that side. So I don't even know what Tennessee's thought process was here. Jacob Copeland like, legitimately just walked his route on the right side. So the defender there knew the play wasn't going to the right side. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure out here, like even I've watched the play at least 
20 times trying to be like, what is this defense in? I have no idea what they were trying to do. This is as busted as a defense as you can find. Because again, like we see the pre-snap motion and we see the corner travel with Trent Whitmore. But again, that's just going to the outermost receiver at that point, which is what you should do, be on the outer receiver's shoulder. So I don't really know what the plan is here for Tennessee. I know that whatever it was sucked and it didn't work out whatsoever. Uh, but it, it, it was definitely confusing to me. It was frustrating uh, just watching it as a defensive guy. Like, what the hell is happening? But, you know, we got killed with a double pass by South Florida. And luckily, the South Florida receiver dropped it. Uh, Tennessee got killed with a double pass by Pitt a few weeks ago. And Florida decided to break it out here. And it was supposedly whistled in by Dan Mullen. Um, it, it, it was just a cluster F of a play, but it was fantastically executed. Tennessee had no idea what to do. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm happy with it because we're going to watch it one more time. But I am very happy with how it worked out. It was fantastically designed, fantastically executed. Florida on these play fix, you'll see it more in, I believe, even the next play. Uh, and the third offensive play that we look for for Florida, but the play fakes here are insane. Every team just, or Tennessee specifically bit in, but every team just bites in so hard on them because our running game is so lethal. Imagine if we had this run game with the offense we had last year, unstoppable with the play fakes, what we could do here. The second play that we're going to look at is also in the third quarter, but this one is Emory Jones's touchdown pass to Rick Wells. And I'm only uh, snickering, I guess, because look at the play art. If you're on YouTube, you could just see everything is just going to the right. Everyone is going to the right. Everyone's taking multiple angles here. It's just, it's just absolute mayhem here. Uh, Emory Jones is under center. He then runs a play fake. He pitches the toss to the left to Damian Pierce. Um, and that's really what opens things up because Tennessee's in man here. Uh, it, it it looks like it's cover one um, because, I mean, clearly the corners on the outside are in man. They bump immediately and run immediately with their guy. So Kimori gambles on a block and release over the middle of the field. What happens is, or at least to me, what I have is, is that the guy that's supposed to be the deep safety recognizes that Rick Wells is left completely on. He slid underneath behind the O-line and he was just completely untouched going into the flat. And he tried. I'll give him credit for that. Um, the, the middle zone, the deep middle, or supposed to be the deep middle, came through and he he tried to make a play. He tried to read and react because the corner that was supposed, or the DB that was supposed to be on Rick Wells bit insanely hard on the play fake. And then he bit insanely hard on Damian Pierce from maybe catching the ball. And then he was taken completely out of the play by it. So that was fantastically executed to run this little PA boot slide here and just fantastically uh, designed here because, I mean, I don't know if they knew it was man, but if even if you're running cover three here, uh, I'm, I'm not saying that they are. <laughs> I'm not doing this every time they recover one. But even if you're running cover three here, you're then creating this little flood concept to the right where uh, you, you got to make some choices. And Rick Wells was likely going to be the guy that was left open underneath anyway, just given that Xavier Henderson's taking the deep end, uh, Justin Shorter's coming over the intermediary. And then you've got uh, Rick Wells running into the flat to the right. He kind of cuts it up a little early, which kind of worried me a bit because I was like, oh, no, is he taking himself out here? But uh, no, it was fantastically executed, fantastically designed. This this offense, like, oh, man. 
I, I love what they're doing. Um, Kamori Gamble had a block and release, and the guy that he blocked just kind of stood in front of Emery Jones at a certain point. Like, he wasn't sure if Emery was going to run or throw, and he kind of just got frozen up completely. And it was fantastic. So many players on Tennessee are, have been so undisciplined or were so undisciplined on Saturday. It was fantastic for us with our play fakes and our play action offense. And look, we can run the ball better than pretty much anybody in all of college football. But when you look at it and you say, you don't need, or there's a saying at least that you don't need to run the ball to be able to run play action. When you can run the ball and you run play action, you're going to demolish everybody. And that's what happened with Tennessee. And I know the first half was very bland, very boring, but the second half, we really started breaking out a ton of play fakes and it just demolished Tennessee here throughout. We're going to watch this one more time just because it was, it was so much fun to see. Uh, it also looked like Emery kind of, he looked at the middle of the field where he had uh, Xavier Henderson, Justin Shorter and Kimori Gamble but he ultimately saw Rick Wells was wide open towards the flat and hit him. And it was just mwah, chef's kiss. It was a beautifully designed play, beautifully executed play. This offense was cooking on all cylinders in the third quarter. Anybody else make money this weekend? Cause I know I didn't, I know I said that last week, like this weekend I made the money. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. I have never in my life, hit on a parlay that was more than like three games on Saturday. I hit on a five game parlay. Thanks Florida. Uh, thanks actually all, all five teams for covering. Appreciate you. Uh, and then I almost hit on another five game parlay on Sunday, but the chargers missed a PAT. The over under was 54 and a half. I took the over. If he made that PAT, they were over. He didn't make the PAT. So they were under. So I'm, I'm pretty pissed about that one. Cause that one would have been huge for me. Thanks, Viscano. Hate you. Bet Online even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV with real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. It is the best way to place your bets, and it's 100% free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device today and get a 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Make sure to use promo code LOCKED ON, that is L O C K E D, no space. O-N. Now, I, you know, I try to work in at least one defensive play here. Uh, I, I did work in a defensive play here. It was a, it was a pretty ugly one. It was uh, Hendon Hooker's uh, 75-yard touchdown pass, which was really fun, to Javante Payton. Um, the field doesn't go 75 yards in the play art, so deal with it. Um, but, yeah, 75 yards, and here's where we're at. Because I realized I said it before. Every time teams can cover one, I don't say cover in three. Here, it's it's cover one. I, I can see it's cover one just based on how everything works out. It's cover one. Um, I don't know if Mordecai McDaniel knew that because it looks like he's playing cover three. I'm going to play it here. If you watch the replay, Mordecai McDaniel kind of just, he, he comes up and he stands there for a second. And I'm, I'm not exaggerating when I say a literal second, maybe a second and a half, he just stands there. And by the time he even realized it, Hendon Hooker is throwing that ball to Javante Payton, and Javante Payton's behind him, and Javante Payton's faster than him. So it is a tutty through and through. We're going to play it again. The right side of the field doesn't even matter. Hendon Hooker doesn't even think about looking over there, although you can see it's man. We have on the left, uh, Jason Marshall is pressing up on a, I believe it was a tight end here, 
Uh, and then Mordecai McDaniels and one behind him. Receivers are stacked on the left. They're not stacked on the right, but they're still close to each other. We've got uh, we've got Avery Helm on the right, and we've got uh, Trevez Johnson on the right. You've got Rashad Torrance is your deep safety here. Uh, I have no problem with that. I realize that sounded aggressive. Um, but Mordecai McDaniel is playing behind uh, Jason Marshall Jr. on the left. Of course, no Kyrie Elam, so obviously he's not on the field during this play. But Mordecai McDaniel, I don't know if it's that he bites on the play fake so hard or what, but, and I mean, because the play fake was not even a thing. Um, the running back came across the block because Florida did blitz. I believe it was Tyrone Hopper who came into blitz. He almost got home. And I don't know if Mordecai McDaniel thought a sack was coming or if he thought maybe maybe what he saw i'll give him the benefit of the doubt here i'll i'll, I'll give him a little justification here maybe mordecai mcdaniel saw the pressure coming in thought it would be a duck and thought he can pick off Hendon hooker here that's not the case uh rashad torrance was the deep man and i i know that i'm a big rashad torrance supporter and i'm a big fan of his but here's where we're at um i i don't want to i'm not going to kill him for this at all because he's playing the deep man and if you've never played safety, uh, specifically middle of the field safety, it's pretty difficult to cover sideline throws. Uh, those are very difficult, especially if they're not deep downfield. If they're deep downfield, you've at least got time to react. Here, it's not a deep throw downfield. It's a 75-yard completion, and it's a relatively deep throw. But, uh, you know, Javante Payton is behind Mordeca uh, Mordecai very, very uh, quickly. Uh, because again, Mordecai just steps up as if he's playing cover three and then doesn't react at all to the fact that there might be a receiver running behind him because I get it in zone. You look at the QB, but you also have to cover guys. Um, so unless you're an elite, elite deep center field type of safety, you're not going to make this play. Like this is like Earl Thomas caliber to have to maybe stop him before he scores a touchdown. You're probably not stopping the completion but maybe be able to get there and stop the play. Uh, so that's just not happening because, again, as much as I love Rashad Torrance, he's not Earl Thomas, uh, prime Earl Thomas, of course. So he's not going to make this play. Defense never stood a chance once Mordecai McDaniel. And I'm not, I'm not, just, I'm not killing Mordecai McDaniel for this, but it, it's his fault. It's a busted play. It's his fault. I've been there where I've blown a coverage and a big play gets up behind me. Like that, it, it sucks. It is what it is. But – I got killed for it. And Mordecai McDaniel, you know, this This is your responsibility at this point. Uh, and and you kind of blew that responsibility, which sucks. But, I mean, that 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 is what it is at this point. Uh, it was beautiful execution. I realize I've been saying beautiful execution a lot today. But beautiful execution by Tennessee here. They took their deep shot. Hendon Hooker actually completed a deep ball, which is something we hadn't really seen much of uh, for the huge majority of the season from Tennessee so far. But... They did it there. And aside from those two big plays, of course, the 47-yard screen being one of them, and then the 75-yard pass downfield, Tennessee really had no semblance of a passing attack whatsoever against Florida. So, I mean, this play sucked, but this play also is where Florida really cleaned it up. Um, and yeah, I, I just wish that Mordecai McDaniel, you know, at least looked at the court, at least looked at the receiver, looked at something other than staring at the quarterback for a second and a half there, because that was just, I was, that was, that was horrid. And in that, uh, yeah, it, it's cover one. You could tell by the way that Avery Helm is on the right side and he rides the slant either he, or he, or was cover three and he just blew his side. But either way, Mordecai McDaniel is one that had the busted coverage on the play and gave up the touchdown. And as unfortunate as it is, that's how it goes. 
the final play that we're breaking down here is something that I've spoken about so many times, and I know you're probably tired of hearing it. And I've mentioned Iowa State running it. And I've mentioned it's one of my favorite run concepts, the zone read, the split zone read here. Um, Florida ran it to absolute perfection. Uh, the defense is in man coverage. You can tell by the way that Florida has three receivers and a tight end on the left, a running back on the right, and Tennessee has all of their DBs on the left side and then the deep safety. Uh, besides that, it's linebackers and DNs. As you can see in the play art here, we've got number nine is the DN. He's the backside DN, the one that Florida is reading here, the one that Emory Jones specifically is reading here. The backside DN is uh, Tyler Barron in this case. He's left unblocked. As I'm watching this play unfold, I'm thinking, okay, Kimori Gamble is about to just clean him up. Like, that's what you can do when you run that split. You can send tight end at the read man because one, takes him out of the play if they do make a quick reaction after your quarterback keeps it. Two, just takes him out completely, even if they don't make a quick reaction, just clean him up and get him out the place so that they don't chase down your quarterback. Uh, that doesn't happen. Kamari Gamble completely runs by him, uh, at which point I'm thinking, damn it, uh, Emory Jones is about to get tackled, but Tyler Barron completely out of the play. He stepped in way too much. Emory just ran outside him, and it was done. Kimora Gamble climbed to the second level to take on uh, Trayvon Flowers, who's playing the deep safety here. He he bit kind of hard on the play fake, so he came in quite a bit to the left side and was a little late to react to get to the right side. Kimora Gamble got uh, he got a hand on him, but Kimora Gamble was not fast enough to catch up to Trayvon Flowers, and Emory Jones was outrunning Kimori at this point. So I, I, I'm not going to kill uh, Kimori for this, which I know that Earlier, I spoke about his run blocking. This wasn't what I was talking about. Or yesterday, I spoke about his run blocking. This wasn't what I was talking about. He tried to get his hands on the defender in this case. Just couldn't do it. Defender was too fast. He got one hand on him, and even then, it was like a little eh, like a little, like a little shove. It meant nothing. Uh, Michael Tarkin, who is playing the right tackle here, completely took linebacker Jeremy Banks, number 33 here, out of the play. Just completely cleaned him up. Jerry, Jeremy Banks was on the ground after this play. So completely demolished him. Aaron Beasley, who's number 24 here, he's a linebacker. Uh, he completely took himself out of the play. He flew down for this possible handoff to Naquan Wright. And he is, frankly, kind of slow. So he could not catch Emory Jones. He wasn't going to catch him anyway. Uh, too slow to get himself back into the play. Florida has been killing teams with this little uh, with this split zone read. They've been demolishing, demolishing defenses with it. And unless someone can react, they're going to keep doing it because Kimori Gamble is fantastic on this little split part. I, I love when he runs it. Um, Emery's fast enough. Anthony Richardson is fast enough to run it. We, we've been killing teams with it. I believe this is, uh, if not the exact same design, a very similar design to the way that Anthony Richardson had his, I think it was his AD yarder. Um, there's a very similar split zone read here and just taking it up the sideline. So this is a play where Florida is going to keep running it. They're going to keep running it successfully. That's what we do very well. We do it better than Iowa state and Iowa state's the one that made me fall in love with the concept. Um, so I see no signs of slowing down for Florida here. I didn't even put defenders on the left side. I want to put four defenders on the field. So they're the only four that had any chance at stopping this play. Um, but again, Tyler Barron 
came in way too hard and went fast enough to catch up to Emory Jones. He also, in his defense, he also looked like he tweaked his hamstring trying to chase Emory, uh, and he kind of slowed down a bit, looked like he grabbed his hamstring. Uh, Jeremy Banks was taken out of the play completely by Michael Tarkin. Um, Aaron Beasley's just way too slow and bit too hard. And then, yeah, Trayvon Flowers, you know, kudos to you, number one, for uh, for being able to make this play because if it wasn't for Trayvon Flowers, this was a touchdown, completely untouched too. So it was it was great execution, great play design, great when they called it. It was just, it was, it was a fantastic play throughout. And uh, yeah, Emory, 49 yards on it. I realize, again, field, I can't get enough of the field on the screen here, but <laughs> 49 yards there, fantastic play. Um, just Bravo. Bravo. That about does it for today's episode of Locked On Gators. Join me tomorrow as we'll start looking ahead to the Kentucky game this weekend. Once again, my name is Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. I'm also the founder of Whole Nine Sports. You can find all my written work. Check my pinned tweet. Let Locked On know why Florida has the best fan base. Thank you again for making Locked On Gators your first listen every day. Be sure to check out Locked On Vols, hosted by Eric Kane, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm giving him one last shout-out because I'm still talking about this game. But uh, no more, Eric. Kudos. Good job. You know, good luck with the rest of the season, but it's L's throughout for you guys. Betting on the Gators doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Lockdown Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts.